And welcome back to another episode of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm your conspiracy skeptic, Carl Mamer. And uh, my guest today on, I guess this is a conspiracy skeptic unplugged. Uh, my guest today is uh, Abby, Abby, Abby Smith? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. You go by Abby, not Ab- Abigail. Abigail's your, your legal name? Yeah, I, I go by lots of names. It's actually my middle name, so everybody messes it up. Ah, okay. You know, I uh, one one episode I did I, I did an episode about you know the you know HIV deniers, and I I referenced you a whole lot, and uh, cool. and I was just about to sort of put the uh, episode out there. You know, I always listen to it before I sort of put it online, and and I noticed at one point I referred to you as Abby Hoffman. <laughs> Oh, funny. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had to go find another part where I've used your full name and then sort of clip that out and then just drop that on top of you know, where I called you Abby Hoffman. Total. Yeah, there's, there's a small difference. I, uh, small difference there, you know. But uh, yeah, so so uh, Abby, you are uh, you, you do a blog called uh, ERV. Right, and, and ERV stands for endogenous retrovirus, right? Yes, yes. Okay, and uh, uh, um, could you explain what what a what a ERV is? Sure. Um, so there are lots of different kinds of retroviruses. Um, really, most people have only heard about one, HIV. Okay. Um, and actually, HIV is a very specific kind of retrovirus, and there's lots and lots and lots of different kinds. There's tons of diversity um, in virology. And there are certain kinds of retroviruses that seem to like to um, insert in our genomes. Okay. Um, okay. They have the ability to infect germline cells, uh, sperm or eggs. Okay. And if that doesn't totally kill an embryo, um, if it makes it completely non-viable, when that embryo grows up into a new organism, um, that endogenous retrovirus or that retrovirus has become an endogenous retrovirus. Okay. Okay. So, in the case of HIV, um, you only have a virus in T cells because that's the only kind of cell that HIV infects, okay. or one of okay. the kinds that HIV infects. Whereas an endogenous retrovirus is found in every single cell of that organism. It's in it's in the DNA right. of that right. organism. Um, now, your body has uh, evolved lots of ways to keep these endogenous retroviruses silent because obviously having uh, active retroviruses in every single cell of your body isn't a great idea. Um, so your body has lots of ways of keeping these guys silent. And over the course of time, uh, they totally mutate away from functionality. Um, but we can still recognize that they used to be retroviruses. Uh, some of them our bodies have co-opted for other uses. So this protein used to be a viral gene, but our bodies use it for something different now. So that's, that's what ERVs are. And it's uh, so over the course of an evolutionary time scale, um, like all these uh, insertions start adding up okay. to okay. the point where, you know, we have about 25,000 uh, protein coding genes in the human genome that code for us. Right. And we found about 34,000 genes that used to be retroviral. So technically, if we just look at protein coding regions, uh, you're more retroviral than human. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Now, now you, 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 you used to have a blog on blogspot.com. Yeah. 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 And now you're on, you're on sort of the science blogs uh, empire kind of, kind of thing with uh, – yeah, I ran into a little trouble with Google. Um, for some reason, my blog kept being delisted, and then it got shut down entirely, and Google didn't tell me anything. They didn't tell me why. Um, another science blogger uh, works at Google, right. and so he did some investigating for me. And it turns out there's just some sort of spamware, whatever, in my blog uh, that uh, got put there maliciously. And instead of Google telling me, hey, are you are you a real person? Is this real blog or is this a spam blog? They just cut it out entirely. Okay. Um, right. so, luckily, luckily, PZ Myers likes some things that I've done in the past and uh, got me moved over to science blogs, so I don't have to deal with that anymore. Ah, uh, okay. So it wasn't like you know Google or 
Blogspot. They're owned by the Moonies or something like that. No, it was nothing malicious. We we thought it could have been at first because there are some intelligent design creationists that are known for filing uh, false copyright um, claims and ah. these other false issues to get blogs pulled or YouTube videos pulled. Um, but that wasn't the case. It was just good old fashioned spam. Right. You know, P- PC buyers, you, you've done a couple, at least one kind of video podcasty thing with uh, PC yeah, buyers. Yeah. Was it one or two? Just, just one. one. I did one with Ed uh, Young as well. Okay. Of, uh, not exactly rocket science. All right. He's a great writer. Yeah, the one you did with PZ Myers was really, really good. And uh, let, let me confess right now, I'm like, I'm like a fanboy for your, 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 uh, your, your blog. Okay. Your blog. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's like, do you remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, <laughs> you remember? You remember when? Yeah. <laughs> you encounter a bit of gushing, you know. <laughs> um, uh, Okay, I'm glad you like it. I'm I'm glad anybody likes it. Really, PC. <laughs> I think that's all any blogger wants. There, there's a great quip in there. Something about you were looking at old HIV research, and and you said something about like, you know, where they're sort of trying to hypothesize something, and you're just like, it was just so cute how they tried to. It so cute. Yeah, they would think it maybe it was this, or they would think it's that, and then and then PZ kind of got a bit kind of you know, I mean, I'm in good you know a joking way, sort of. It was like, yeah, yeah. well, you know, when you. Are are a professor and some grad student comes along and calls your, you know, your hypothesis. <laughs> well, I, like in in the olden days, uh, we didn't know that HIV could use. We didn't we didn't know what kinds of receptors it used to infect our cells. Okay, um, and we we knew the the receptor was CD4 on the outside of uh, certain kinds of immune cells. Um, but we didn't know what the co-receptor was. And so there were some kinds of HIV that could infect certain kinds of cells and some kinds of HIV that could infect different kinds of cells, and they couldn't figure out why. And uh, it, it turns out there were two receptors on the surface of these cells that can be used as co-receptors okay. um, the virus needed. But we didn't know these existed. And so you read these older papers, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and it, you don't really hypothesized that something's there that we never knew existed before. Um, and that turned out to be the case with uh, HIV and co-receptors. Okay. All right. And but it, it's cute seeing them trying to figure it out in, in retrospect is obvious to me because I grew up with this information, but to them it's totally new. Well, I, I think you sort of came to the attention, I think of a lot of skeptics when, um, um, what what's his name? His, his podcast, uh, uh, the infidel guy, infidel guy, right? Yeah, Reggie, yeah. right? His uh, infidel guy. Uh, he had on what's it? Lenny, Lenny, Lenny Horowitz. Yeah. Okay. Who who's there was that fight back guy? He used to do a show a show called Fight Back. Is it David Horowitz or something like that? Oh no. Yeah. Who I think I think David Horowitz is a real kind of freak now too. But uh, but. Uh, Hey, I've got no assets. <laughs> Go ahead, sue me. No, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but right, Len- Lenny Horowitz. He was. He's kind of a. Uh, he's an HIV denialist, and yeah. and uh, he was on. Uh, was going to be on uh, Infidel Guy, and I, I think I think Reggie tried. He tried to get some, you know. Uh, working scientists to debate him, and like no one wanted to touch him, and you kind of stepped up to the plate. Well, yeah, and uh, I had listened to Reggie's show a lot. I mean, he was kind of one of the founders of uh, atheism and skeptic thought on the internet uh, podcast. And uh, so he knew I did HIV research from this place or another, and uh, he asked me if I'd be willing to debate this guy. And I I always think that students should definitely debate any kind of denier, conspiracy theorist, whatever, Um, like you were saying with that individual who's a grad student in astronomy that that does that stuff um because there's nothing there's nothing to lose if the student loses then great the denier can go off and proudly declare that they they whooped up on a student (laughs) which i mean there's there's no honor in that right um and in all doubt like the student gets really good experience uh you know, debating someone who might not be as logical as someone that they're used to dealing right. with um, and learning how to present information in an understandable manner and that sort of thing. 
uh, with Lenny, there was, I had some advantages because it was a skeptical audience. So some of his more off claims, I could just let it go because I knew the audience would get a laugh out of that and I didn't have to actively refute it. Um, But yeah, so Lenny's interesting in HIV denial. Um, There's there's actually lots of different kinds of HIV deniers. And sometimes... You know, there, someone would fall in one camp one day and a different camp another day, depending on who they're talking to. But some people uh, don't think that HIV as a virus exists at all. There are some people who believe that the virus actually exists, but it's harmless. Um, du- Duesberg, it's, I think. Is that Duesberg's position? Yes, I okay. think so. Um, but sometimes, you know, they slide over and fall into a, that first category. Um, and then there are other people who think that HIV exists and it causes disease, but it didn't come from nature. Ah, right, yes. It came from human scientists. Right. Man-made, you know, to wipe yes. out, you know, the what they call the useless eaters or something. Yeah, right. the undesirable. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I encountered that way back. God, I mean... I mean, even during like the BBS days, I mean, even before the internet, you know, when people, you just yeah. called into other computers, I remember, I remember those, you know, claims out there. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, it's like in the, in the eighties questioning whether AIDS was caused by HIV and, and whether this was, you know, a malicious organism. I mean, that was perfectly valid in the eighties okay. because, okay. you know, you wake up one morning and you've got an epidemic and where the hell did that come from? Right. Um, and right. there were lots of people investigating lots of different avenues. Um, and it turns out that the HIV is a virus that causes AIDS. People were right. Um, where you turn into a kook is when <laughs> you're still using 1980s hypotheses that didn't pan out um, and saying that they're facts in 2009. You know, like like I was saying with... Uh, the cute research mm-hmm. in the nineties. I mean, having alternate hypotheses when you don't know what's going on, isn't kooky. Right. Um, it's kooky holding on to those beliefs after you've been proven wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that, um, you know, like these, you know, the, these sort of HIV, you know, denialists, I mean, there's no, you know, there's sort of no filled gap that is, is abandoned, you know, that, I mean, there, there, there was some yeah. bizarre claim about, you know, HIV was maybe manufactured from some sheep retrovirus, and you know it's very similar to the sheep retrovirus, which would, would yeah. which I think was a hypothesis, right? You know, back in the eighties, but it's you know it's it, it's long been you know put put to rest. But um, yeah. I mean, I, I had like an HIV denier sort of throw that at me, you know, you know about a year ago, and I'm like, you know. Yeah. We research changes. Where HIV came from is pretty definitive at this point. Um, Researchers have gone into the jungles of Africa and collected feces, uh, primate feces, and has sequenced everything that they found. Um, You shed virus and feces. And so that was a lot easier than climbing up trees and convincing uh, (laughs) chimpanzees to give you some blood to do your work. They just collected feces and sequenced everything they found. And uh, we actually found like the exact region where we think we got HIV-1 and HIV-2. And um, then we've gone back and looked at archived samples. So from uh, 1959, we have a blood sample from someone who was infected with HIV. And we sequenced that and looked at the sequences we have today, 2009, and we see, you know, it matches up with a certain subtype of uh, HIV. And then this poor guy, I don't, I don't, wouldn't want this guy's job, but he got a lot of glory when he hit gold. He searched through um, paraffin embedded tissue, like that's soaked in formaldehyde um, from uh, the 50s and 60s. And he found another um, HIV sequence from 1960. And it's totally different than the one that he found or that someone else found from 1959. 
So we know by the 1960s that uh, HIV had been in the human population long enough to evolve differentially into these different subtypes that we see today. And so it turns out that HIV got into the human population probably about the turn of the century. Um, And we certainly didn't have the technology to uh, manufacture viruses at that point. Um, And, I mean, we we weren't doing max vaccinations, which is what Lenny Horowitz thinks is what happened, is that we put HIV in polio vaccines. But that didn't didn't exist in 1900. So it's really quite definitive when and where HIV came from. Um, And so a lot of the arguments I hear from HIV deniers today are, they're silly, like, oh, we've never taken a picture of a virus electron microscopy or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I I, I had that, my, my, my debater sort of threw that up at me saying, oh, you know, we've never, we've never isolated it and we've never, we've never taken, he had some term like crystallography. Yeah, yeah. Taking pictures of viruses is neat, but that's not something HIV researchers do in the laboratory to make sure. So if I have a stock of, uh, like we, we have like white mouse HIV strains that are like lab standards. And if I've grown up some of this virus to do an experiment, I don't check to see if there's virus there by taking pictures. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) there's lots of different assays we do. Um, I mean, taking a picture of things is neat, um, but it's not really relevant. Um, And then some of the arguments I hear from them are just good old-fashioned ignorant in that uh, there was one HIV denier, prominent one, uh, Rebecca Colshaw, who is convinced that HIV is really this harmless endogenous retrovirus. And they're, like I said at the beginning of the program, um, the kind of virus that HIV is doesn't really like to become an endogenous retrovirus. It's a totally different creature than the kinds of retroviruses that become endogenous retroviruses. And a virologist would know this, and we do know this. And uh, it was only very recently that we found an endogenous HIV-like virus in lemurs. Ah. Um, and that's that's as close as we've found. Uh, there's nothing in the human genome. There's nothing in the chimpanzee genome that resembles HIV. You know, my uh, my my, my den- denialist guy. Um, I, you know, I, you know, he he. Uh, I asked them, I'm like, well, you know, where is this, you know, why is this the goalpost for isolating a virus? You know, can you show me online, you know, in some, you know, PubMed or something, where where does it say this is like the goalpost? And, uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, it's probably not the goalpost, so he can never show that to me. But he would always sort of retort like, oh, you know, I studied biology for three years in university. So, you know, you know, take it on my authority. And I'm like, well... No, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know. Sometimes, uh, just particular experiments we do, um, we don't need the virus to be active, and so we just spin it in a centrifuge, no. super, super, no. super, super no. fast, and uh, we get so much of it that you can actually see the virus quote uh, with your naked oh. eye at the bottom of the centrifuge tube. Um, and so you know, and we've got uh, really cool tools that. You know, these people I was calling cute at the beginning, really cool tools that they developed when we were first studying HIV. And one um, is called an infectious molecular clone. Right. Uh, if you look that up on my blog, you'll get a better explanation of what these are. But really, they're just um, DNA that we can manipulate in the lab um, to make different kinds of HIV for our experiments. And so that's how um, we do experiments in primates is that we take uh, portions of HIV and portions of the, uh, say, chimpanzee version of HIV and mush them together to make um, pseudo uh, chimera, chimeric viruses, I guess you call them, that can infect chimpanzees but have uh, features of HIV that we're interested in studying. Um, so we can genetically manipulate HIV now in the lab uh, to study it better. And so I'd really like to, I wonder what uh, HIV deniers think we're doing. It's like, what, what is this genome that we are manipulating in the lab if it's not HIV? Why does it cause AIDS-like illnesses if it's not HIV? Um, 
Yeah, well, I, that's another thing I point out. I'm like, well, you know, they've you can find the uh, you know the you know HIV. I guess there's HIV one and two. Like you can find you can find that sequence. You know, it's a genetic sequence. You know, googling for it. And so how you know for a virus that's not been isolated, how are they sequencing it? What well, yes, what is the sequence? It's not HIV. Yeah. It, and, I mean, you know, the ultimate retort is basically, well, you know, that sequence is found on, you know, the CDC website and they're owned by the government and they lied to us about, you know, this and this and this. And therefore, they're well, then, then what they have on their hands is a government conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is with HIV, um, it came up in the 80s. And, you know, how did how do how does the U.S. government get China to go along with this? How does the U.S. government get Russia to go along right. with this? Um, or, or, or Sweden. You, I mean, you know, exactly. you know, European nations with public health care systems, you know, who would, you know, rather just feed their population beet juice, you know, if that really was a cure for AIDS, you know, then they don't yeah. have to buy these expensive retrovirals, you know. Yeah, exactly. And when the Russians just love to have proof that HIV was created in the lab by a malicious American scientist in a leash upon the world. I mean, or. Oh, for sure. I, m- I remember your, your was it your interview on uh, on Infidel Guy. Uh, Lenny's retort was something about well. You know, he worked once with this Japanese guy. Like, you know, he, you know, he, you know, he's never actually talked to you know Chinese HIV researchers, but he knows a Japanese guy. Yeah, I forgot about oh, that. Who, but he, the Japanese guy turned out to be that other weirdo who thinks you know if you if you sing romantic songs to water, it will you know. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. It will you know, and then it will affect the you know the structure of water or something. Well, that, that reminds me of the, another HIV denial claim is that, you know, as scientists, we're just in this for the money and it's all big pharma and big science and ivory tower science, whatever, that it's all a fraud. We know it's a fraud, but we do it for the money. Right. And uh, I don't make anything. Um, scientific researchers, academic researchers really don't make a lot of money. Um, there are lots of fields you could go into to do that, but this isn't one of them. And so I asked Leonard how much he made a year, and he wouldn't disclose that. Uh, however, you can go to his website and buy uh, tuning forks <laughs> that are evidently in tune with the universe. And when you when you strike them and hold them on you know, your limb, whatever, it's magically healed. Uh, I believe they were $280 or, or so at the yeah. time. I played the cello for about 10 years. And the tuning forks I had were 50 cents. So, you know, when when you bring up a claim like, oh, follow the money, follow the money, uh, it might be wise to make sure that money trail doesn't lead to you instead of the people that you're trying to villainize. Yeah, I, I, I remember when uh, when you, when you sort of – you kind of just slipped, I think, kind of slipped that in there with the interview with Lenny. And, like, you were kind of like, well, if I go to your website, you're selling all these things. And, and he just, he lost it, I think, at that point, yeah. if I remember. Yeah, he I just. Yeah. Because I remember one of my podcasts I sort of did about, you know, like cancer is, uh, you know, they found a cure for cancer and they're of keeping course. it from you. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I noticed that, like, you know, in a lot of these alt med websites, you know, it, you know, the, you know, the claim is, of course, that the, you know, the our pharmaceuticals, they don't want to cure the disease. They just want to keep you hooked and yeah. on expensive medications. And then, but then you go to these alt, you know, alternative medicine sites and, you know, they, oh, they've got their diabetes treatment, but, you know, Oddly, it doesn't cure diabetes. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. you know, it's sixty dollars a month. It, you know, controls it. So, well, uh, uh, HIV, um, it's gotten to the point where uh, in the U.S., if you have access to drugs, um, antiretrovirals, mm-hmm. it's like you're going to do okay. Um, right. It's HIV, AIDS isn't as a death sentence like it was in say 1988. Um, the problem is in the third world, I mean, they don't have access to these meds and it's not just uh, money issues, distributing issues. And I mean, the analogy I give people is that, you know, women in the U S lots of us take birth control. You have to take one pill the same time every day. That's it. And we still mess it up. Um, Sure. HIV meds. um, You have to take several pills at certain times of the day with certain kinds of food 
and, and it's very complex. So even if everybody has access to medications, even if we gave them all out for free, um, people still don't really take them properly. And, and that's how we get um, the spread of drug-resistant HIV and that sort of thing. So one of the goals uh, of the HIV research world, um, particularly in my lab, is trying to figure out how to make therapeutic vaccines. Um, so it turns out that, you know, some people seem to progress to AIDS very quickly after they're infected mm-hmm. with HIV. And some people progress very slowly, um, going decades without even needing uh, drugs. And part of that is uh, the patients and their immune system. But part of that is the virus that they were initially infected with. Um, so what our lab is trying to figure out is what, uh, what the evil viruses look like. So okay. when someone, say you go into a clinic and you're diagnosed with HIV at early stages, um, what they could do then is give you a vaccine that was targeted towards the bad guy, the really bad forms of HIV that make you progress to AIDS very quickly. All right. And so what we could do is kind of anticipate evolutionary pathways and cut them off, um, prevent these bad guys from evolving in the first place because your immune system is primed to stop them. So um, theoretically, this uh, future vaccine um, would be in place of drugs um, because if an individual is infected with uh, kind of a weak kind of HIV and they can live a long time without needing to take five drugs a day, 10 times a day, that would be fantastic. So again, it's like, it's it's not all about the money. Oh, we just want to sell people more drugs. It just happens to be a really effective treatment right now. So that's what we're going with. But at the same time, we're trying to figure out uh, alternative therapies in the background. And that would definitely be cheaper and easier in the long run. What was it Mark, Mark Chrislip, uh, who does Quackcast and, uh, Puscast and uh, also writes couple couple blogs. Have, have you have you have you heard his, uh, oh. Have his, heard his oh Mark Crislip? Oh, he's he's a he's a ID doctor, but he makes a point that ID in his world stands for uh, infectious disease, not <laughs> not intelligent design. <laughs> but uh, Mark Crislip, oh, he's hilarious, and uh, he uh, yeah he he, he notes that um, you know that he he's a doctor in, in Portland, and he's like you know. It's like I don't think I've lost one patient to HIV since you know since 2000. That um, you know he, that he's, you know hospitals used to have you know they just okay. used to have wards where they, you know they couldn't really do a lot for these patients. Yeah. So they just they just basically it was like the old polio wards or something yeah. you know where they just sort of were there and withered away. But but they the hospitals don't have those wards anymore. In They've the largely US. right. In the US. Right. Now, now, one one of the claims about uh, you know Africa, especially Africa, is that you know that um, you know HIV is you know they, people will say, well, HIV is real, but it's largely misdiagnosed. That 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 it's that people really are just not getting enough vitamin D is 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 the claim. Yeah. Have you have you heard? I, I've heard lots of similar claims. Um, whereas, oh, it's a lifestyle thing. It's a nutrition thing, but. Uh, the individuals that I'm studying specifically are all infants. Um, they're babies that were they were infected at birth, and some of them okay. were dead by three months. Um, some right. of them lived to be well at this point at least ten years old. Um, and so a lot of the a lot of the HIV denier claims that pop up saying, "Oh, it's drug use, it's clubbing, it's this, that, or the other." Uh, doesn't make sense in light of, <laughs> of newborn infants. Right, um, right. Kaposi sarcoma gets that a lot. Um, the infants I've studied had Kaposi sarcoma, which is uh, what happens when you're infected with HIV and get to end-stage AIDS is that uh, things that don't normally cause problems uh, start causing problems because right. uh, when your immune system's healthy, it keeps certain viruses and bacteria in check. But the second it starts to decline, these guys that are normally harmless start causing harm because they can. Um, So there's another kind of virus. It's a herpes virus that tons of people are infected with. It doesn't do anything. Um, It's like, you know, you get chicken pox when you're little and (laughs) don't think about it again the rest of your life. Uh, This virus is really prevalent in Africa in particular. And uh, so these infants are infected with HIV and this virus, and they get Kaposi sarcoma. 
And then you hear these HIV deniers in the U.S. saying that, oh, Kaposi's sarcoma is caused by drug use and staying out too late at the clubs. It, right. Again, it's just an ignorance issue on their part. The uh, was it Carposi? Carposi's the the Kaposi Kaposi sarcoma. Um, uh, it, it's it, it seems to, was was that kind of what helped us figure out you know HIV was in the population mm-hmm. in the first place. Like yeah, it was kind of like hitting like a. You know, very homage, like like the gay population in San Francisco or something were coming down with this. It was an incredibly rare disease, yeah. right? Yeah. And they were most coming down with it. And most of us are normally healthy, and so right. even though we're infected with this virus, it doesn't cause any problems. But if all of a sudden people started rushing to uh, the hospital with you know it's a prion disease or something like that that's extraordinarily rare, we would know. Right. Oh my God, something happened. Um, so yeah, it was it was definitely one of the first warning flags. Okay, so I, I always found it kind of, I mean, sadly ironic, where um, you know, like religious groups want to sort of, you know, you know, sort of blame homosexuals for for HIV when when it, it more seems to me that you know they were the they were the tripwire that you know it if it wasn't for these very sort of homogenous groups kind of coming out with a very rare uh, disease that you know maybe it would have gotten into our blood supply is that well, is that possible? Um, the thing is too, I feel so bad for the homosexual community because the fact that they were uh, kind of the, the ground zero for HIV yeah. is completely a fluke. Um, in Africa right now, like the main route of infection is heterosexual sex. Um, right. It just is so in evolutionary biology, we have that's uh, called a founder effect. So if a population gets split off from the main population, say um, some kangaroos are on an island in Australia and, this big chunk of land they were on um, breaks off of Australia and starts floating towards India or whatever. Uh, that population of kangaroos over time um, might be susceptible to certain genetic diseases or certain eye color, pouch size, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just as a complete fluke of whatever kangaroos happen to be on that island. Um, with HIV, it was just a fluke that it got into the homosexual population first. If it had gotten into the heterosexual population first, they would have been protected entirely. Um, so, well, as far as populations go, it, w- it wouldn't be the gay disease. Um, okay. The gays would find themselves more safe than the heterosexual population because that, I mean, that's what happened in Africa. Right. The, uh, you know, the, the other, one of the other denier claims sort of related to what you said is, you know, they always point out, you know, the epi- epidemiology that, you know, that the uh, epidemiology in Africa, right, it's a heterosexual disease, while in North America, it's supposedly, you know, sort of a gay and IV drug user disease. And, and some, I'm not really sure the, the logic behind this, but somehow this is used to sort of claim, you know, therefore, you know, all our theories about HIV are wrong. Yeah. Um, so it turns out in Africa, they hunt primates for food, just like we hunt deer and geese or whatever. It's it's right. a non-issue for them. You know, we'd be kind of creeped out about hunting chimpanzees, but then, you know, whatever, it's food. Right. Um, and so obviously these are mostly male guys going out, doing the hunting, bringing it back. And uh, uh, there's individuals who are studying hunters, um, in kind of periphery populations, and it turns out that the hunters themselves uh, are infected with lots of viruses that we only usually see in the wild. We don't see humans infected with these viruses because, uh, of course, when you're butchering an animal, um, you know, you nick your skin, whatever, and right. you exchange blood with this organism. Um, and the thing is, most of the time, nothing happens because these viruses don't want to be in us particularly and they can't replicate in us particularly well. Um, so right. these hunters or the the periphery people they interact with, that's that's the end of it. That's the end of that uh, crossover event. The problem is with what happened with um, the primate version of uh, HIV and HIV is that just due to the kind of receptor that this virus used, we are close enough with chimpanzees that it could it could replicate enough. It could replicate mm-hmm. a little bit to start evolving to humans. Um, and so what we see is that HIV today isn't 
what SID was in the chimpanzee we got it from, you know, a hundred years ago. Um, and so from there, you know, it just because it can be spread sexually, um, lots of lots of viruses like to use that route. Uh, it just spread exponentially. Uh, All right. And so then when it came in the U.S., um, if it had been introduced into the heterosexual population initially, um, then it would have followed the exact same pattern that we see with herpes and HPV <laughs> and any other you know, viral STD. The problem was it started in the homosexual community, like I said, just by chance. And so there might have been less interaction, less mixing um, of the sexual groups. And so it hit the heterosexual community later. Uh, But like I said, that's just a fluke. That's not what happened in Africa because that wasn't the founder population. But so HIV is, it's it's kind of, it's a a disease you get, you know, through fluids, like primarily blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. um, Yeah. Semen, vaginal secretions. Yeah. So I, I made the point, you know, with the uh, HIV denier, I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it's, the, you know, it's sort of, it's one of the sad realities that, um, you know, that in Africa, you know, that a lot of places in Africa, they, uh, you know, their, their mortuary practices say are not, you know, are not maybe as sterile as, you know, our mortuary practices or, you know, they practice scarification there, you know, that, that, that there's a lot more sort of, and there's war and rape and things like that. And there's, there's a lot more blood in going on in Africa, you know, swapping blood and, well, and even, uh, even in the U S I mean, when, when it got into the hemophiliac population, if you don't right. know to be careful, if you don't know to look for something, um, then you don't look for it. Uh, right. And so now, now the, what we're trying to do in Africa and just everywhere else is, uh, bring up HIV awareness and, you know, what you need to do to stop it and that sort of thing. Um, my advice is anybody, everybody, just wear a condom. For sure, yeah. <laughs> just just wear the condom. So much pain and suffering and with HIV could be shut down if people just wore condoms. Like, well, you know, like I was saying with taking birth control, people mess it up. So right. there's there's always going to be the chance, but... You know, it's, what I hear sometimes from uh, Christian uh, fundamentalist groups is that, well, and the Pope, <laughs> is that <laughs> to, to stop spread of HIV. Um, and they always, their prize pig argument is that there are holes in latex, and those holes mm-hmm. are bigger than the virus. Therefore, the virus can get through. Right. HIV is is a virus. It doesn't have a flagella. It doesn't have arms to swim. It, it wiggle like a snake. Mm-hmm. It just sits there. Um, it needs a medium to carry it somewhere. So if sperm can't get through the condom, then HIV can't get through the condom. Um, right. Just, just wear condoms, people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even, even if, you know, there are some holes that can get through, right? It's sort of, it's like, you know, it, you're, it may not be a hundred percent perfect, but you know, it's, you know, if, if you're, you know, might now only have like a 0.1% chance of being able to slip through one of those holes, you know, you, something your, like that. Your chance, right? your chance of getting pregnant through condom use is, would, is, is your odds of uh, getting semen through that would right. infect someone with the virus. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, say we had a prison and all the doors were big enough for the prisoners to just walk right out, okay. but we cut off the prisoners' legs and arms. <laughs> like they, right. they can't get out. They can't move. Um, I mean, that's, that's the deal with HIV. Right. Yeah. Wow. All right. And, uh, if there's any other bizarre, bizarre claims I've, I, I've encountered, um, I think you posted. I think you posted once a uh, a link. There was a debate between Lenny and and uh, and uh, Duisburg. That Duisburg, was yeah. the funniest thing I have ever witnessed in my entire life. Yeah, um, what, different what? H the three camps of HIV denial. Um, yeah, and and they these aren't ironclad camps. I mean, even Peter Duisburg and Lenny Horowitz slide back and forth between these camps. 
But on this particular day, they both had their camp, and they were just wailing on each other. It was awesome. <laughs> well, the, well, yeah, because Duisburg believes HIV exists, thinks we have, believes we've we've isolated, but he do, he thinks it's harmless. Yeah, I think and, so. And, yeah, and Lenny, right? Lenny believes that virus does not exist, and it's just a conspiracy to sell expensive drugs. Well, no, Lenny thinks that we did it on purpose. Scientists did. Ah, oh, right. Yes. Okay. Sorry. He called out Duisburg and saying that Duisburg was a part of it. And oh, right, right. That was it. Yes. He read okay. some proclamation. <laughs> uh, oh, right, right. Like, because he's he's a knight of something or another. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that was bizarre. Oh, yeah, that was the thing, right? Right. So, right, Lenny blamed Deuceberg, all right. And then, and there was this one one caller, and she's she proclaimed both Deuceberg and Lenny heroes for like yeah. telling, her, and which I thought was bizarre because there there's all, no there's no division between yeah. different HIV deniers, and they can hold contradictory thoughts in their heads at the, at yeah. the same time. Yeah. So because yeah. only one of them could be right, you know, and and if Lenny was right, then that would make Duisburg the worst monster in the world. Yeah. And if Duisburg was right, that would make Lenny the worst okay. monster in the world. But somehow this woman believed them both. <laughs> That's just, you know, like you just your jaw hits the floor. Your jaw hits the floor. Yeah. I mean, and that's so Abby, um, usually wait one way I usually finish this the, the, the show is I always ask my guest um, what what's your what's your favorite small kitchen appliance um, well as far as appliances go I really only have like a toaster and a coffee maker oh I guess I have my little smoothie machine too oh. I have to go with the coffee maker absolutely you yeah. know it's always there for you it is replaceable by the French press but you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, the old standby, the coffee maker. Yeah, right. and uh, and and any more uh, any, any chance you're going to be doing another little podcasty thing with uh, with uh, PZ Myers? Oh, I don't know. If they ask us again. All right, that, that that'd be cool. I, I'd, I'd like to. Yeah, I, I think you two should actually do a regular podcast. I think that would be brilliant. <laughs> Actually, that that day was kind of funny because I had never done that before, and uh, the recording process is really weird the way they do that. Um, so basically, you're during that conversation, you're talking to yourself, uh, a video image of yourself on your screen, and so like I totally talked over him like <laughs> like half the time, and I didn't even know it because I couldn't see him and you couldn't really hear him well. So I was just la la la, I was having a good time and. Have cutting off poor PZ, <laughs> but yeah, you know they they might have us back. They just uh, the blogging head guys just sent us an invitation, and uh, it was fun. But now they seem to have these. That can be a different one, uh, different show for you as the science journalism and how it can sometimes promote crankery. Um, there's some sci- science journalists on blogging heads that some of us at science blogs don't approve of. <laughs> Ah, right. Yes, I think uh, the, well, the 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 Newsweek woman I think sort of got into some hot water recently. She was sort of the subject. Uh, did you read about that? Where she was sort of kind of like basic research is preventing. Oh, there's um, so many. There. Oh. <laughs> there's there's a very sharp um, wall of distrust between scientists and science journalists, and uh, oh. there are some science journalists that are that we really trust. And others we assume are going to twist and mislead people however they see fit to get get their article out there, make their article controversial, make their article groundbreaking so they get noticed. Right. Um, yeah. And I, well, that, I mean, oh, so go ahead. That's, that's one of the reasons why scientific blogging has uh, kind of taken off is that you know, yeah. I'm, I'm very young in the scientific world. And, you know, one of the first lessons – I learned from my mentor is, you know, if basically don't talk to the media, <laughs> let the university do it because you're going to say something, just trying to explain some little fact or your research and they will completely blow it up into, Oh, this lab is going to cure AIDS in six months. Right. Right. And then that's out there under your name. And, like you're, 
an idiot think that, that thinks you're going to cure AIDS in six months. So yeah. Well, well, who's the the guy who? Uh, there's some poor guy. He, uh, but remember, uh, you know, the bee the bee population crash where he, he I, I think he just sort of you know, among a bunch of possible hypotheses was you know like maybe like Wi-Fi signals. Just kind of threw that out yeah. there among like yeah. you know, like twenty different ideas, and and the media just fixated right on that one. Like this scientist is saying Wi-Fi is killing the bees, it's- and. Yeah, and people just sort of like attacked him. Like, what kind of bizarre nut are you? And he's like, No, man, well, no. <laughs> it's like like what happened in Expelled when they try to make uh, Richard Dawkins look to be an idiot by saying, you know, well, life could have been seeded from life from other planets or whatever it could have been aliens. Scientists are very open to any kind of possibility um, because right. the obvious answer is not always the answer. So you really have to be creative and. Keep your mind open to off-the-wall ideas and then test them in the lab. And so you ask us a question, what do you think is causing this? Oh, and we'll, we'll give you some logical answers and we'll give you some totally off-the-wall stuff that, you know, maybe it could be that. We haven't investigated it yet. But then it gets reported as in bees are being killed by Wi-Fi. Yeah. Well, I mean, because, you know, scientists are uh... – yeah, you know, they're usually not accustomed to talking to the media, and you know they've they've got very complicated research, and 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 you know they're trying to sort of maybe come up with a, you know an analogy or sort yeah. of metaphor, yeah. and and but they're not real skilled at those either. So they 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 say something that is then misinterpreted by the reporter, and it kind of gets out there as if no, that's you know the scientist is really saying you know I oh I found a way to you know break light speed or something yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, as you know, in, you know, in, when you're sort of following all this sort of skepticism and stuff like that, that's one thing you, you eventually figure out that, uh, oh, you know, yeah, just don't be very skeptical about press releases and, and popular yeah. news articles. Yeah, and that, that's what makes up a you know a good portion of my blogging is you know I just in my Google News I have HIV, endogenous retrovirus, virus, whatever, and you know every other week we've cured AIDS. Because <laughs> there's some press release that, you know, the science is going to work, whatever. And, right. you know, there's lots and lots of promising research, of course, because, you know, the best minds of our country are working on this. But whether it's actually going to work out to be a therapy five, ten years from now, we won't know for five or ten years. But, yeah, definitely be skeptical. Yeah, if I could just take a little bit more of your time. Uh, I, I just realized another sort of uh, deniest claim. Um you know they they you know they're they're always pointing out like oh you know HIV's been known for I don't know twenty over twenty five years maybe and uh, you know we've spent billions of dollars mm-hmm. and we've never come up with a, a a vaccine so you know therefore it's just you know big money making operation how 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 do you sort of answer that so in that HIV claim? first when we first figured out it was a virus um, all the Scientists were like, well, yeah, we'll, ha- we'll have a vaccine in six months, however long it takes, you know, the manufacturing plant to do it. Because the science mm-hmm. side of it is easy. We've, I mean, we've made tons of vaccines. We know how to do it. Um, not a big deal. Like flu, flu vaccine. Yeah, can, flu vaccine. You know, small it takes them six months. Yeah. It's not a big deal. And it was obviously <laughs> the, the epidemic was a big deal. And so, you know, you push forward with that in industry, whatever. The problem is HIV is completely unlike everything we have encountered before. Um, We have tried everything that has worked with other viruses, other bacteria. Um, We've tried billions of new things that we thought up because of HIV, and they don't work. Um, One of the problems is is that you know there's there's a spectrum of HIV of research as a whole. On one end of the spectrum is basic research. what is the virus structure? Um, what's its genome look like? Um, how does it replicate? The other side of the spectrum is, you know, a vaccine, what kind of drugs work against it, more clinical things. Um, one of the problems with HIV is that we jumped to the clinical side of the spectrum um, because we needed something so fast. Because, I mean, if, imagine if we woke up tomorrow and, you know, 10% of the population was infected with the virus and it was killing them. And I mean, we needed answers, but at the same time, we didn't initially invest as much into the basic research as we should have. Um, and so it turns out, you know, the way HIV evolves, the old school ways of making vaccines, 
vaccines just wasn't going to cut it. Um, it it has the ability to mutate around things we put in it. So um, if we made a really great uh, vaccine that worked against maybe one of our uh, lab strain HIVs, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work in the wild because in the wild, HIV would just evolve right around those antibodies. Um, and so like I was saying in, in my lab, we're trying to understand the evolution of HIV, um, predict where it's going to go before it goes that route in patients. Um, <laughs> my dog's getting really annoyed that I'm not paying attention to him. I don't know whether you can hear that or not. Uh, five, five more minutes, Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, HIV is completely unlike anything we've ever encountered before. So, of course, the old ways of attacking it aren't going to work. It's, it's like with Independence Day, um, the movie. When right, right. All these, all these spaceships come down, they blow up the White House. So let's send our F-18s up against them. Let's nuke it. That doesn't work. <laughs> you have to figure out something else. Um, and the thing is, as far as, like, I, a complaint I hear is that, oh, you know, HIV isn't that big a deal. You know, if you don't, you don't have the homo sex, you aren't going to get it anyway. Right. Why, why, do we, why do we put so much money into it? Well, the thing is, like, fields like immunology, um, our understanding of the immune system has um, increased exponentially because right. the ways we've had to understand it to study HIV. I mean, there are cells, there are portions of our immune system we didn't even know existed in the 1980s. Um, that we have to understand to study HIV. I mean, the research money that's gone into HIV has helped all of us, um, whether it's whether we have cancer or asthma or anything. Um, so, I mean, as far as the research goes, like it's not it's not only going to benefit AIDS HIV patients. Um, it really benefits all of us. All right, cool. All right. Well, I'll let, I'll let you get back to uh, what's what's your dog's name? Arnie, after Arnold Arnie. Mayer. All right, yeah. Why don't you get back to? I'm keeping you from Artie. Okay, all right. Uh, th- th- thanks a lot, Abby. Oh, it's, no just, it's wonderful having you on. And and I, I I guess I forgot to announce at the top that your your favorite conspiracy is HIV denial. Yeah. Oh, I've got a lot though. They keep there are lots of conspiracies that keep me busy in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's true. All right. Yeah. You you are you are you. I didn't ask you what you you're in Oklahoma. You you're you're a, a grad student, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, at the University of Oklahoma. Uh-huh. All right, and and uh, I always call it the Korean questions because you know I lived in Korea and they always ask you very very personal questions sort of right up front. Uh, so I I I am forced to ask them. Uh, how, how how old are you? I'm twenty six. Twenty six. Okay, and and uh, are are you married? No. <laughs> okay, those are the those are the those are the Korean questions. What's they your, always want to. Actually, I get those a lot here. You can call those Oklahoma questions. Okay, they always want to know are you, how old you are and are you married. And if you say you're not married, then they ask you, "Well, you're 26. Why no, are you, why no, are you not?" Oh, married? yeah, these are totally Oklahoma questions. You can call them. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay, <laughs> but you don't have to, have to ask what church do you go to, and that, uh, that rounds it out. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. All right. Well, have a have a good uh, have a good evening. You too. And uh, all right, take care. You too. Bye. <laughs> 